The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. Thanks and welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. The words of Abraham Lincoln are among the best known in the English language. Six decades ago, the Abraham Lincoln Association published the eight-volume Collected Works of Abraham Lincoln, now available to anyone in a searchable online database. Scholars from Don Fehrenbacher to Bill Gnapp, Andrew Delbanco, Vernon Burton have all published selections of Lincoln's writings. Now we have a new Norton Critical Edition of Lincoln's Selected Writings, edited by David S. Reynolds, Distinguished Professor of English and American Studies at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. What's new about this collection? We'll ask Professor Reynolds tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich coming to you from the third floor of the Brewster Building here on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. But I'm not speaking for the university or the Brewster Building or the Department of History or anybody else, just myself. Likewise, uh, our guest will only speak for himself tonight, as we always do. Well, last week, in case you missed it on ESPN, the Greenville Stars, over 55, men's soccer team was in action, and we are all still walking, uh, some limping a little bit, but we'll call it a successful tournament for that reason. 
I uh, personally did not score a goal for our team this weekend, and in fact, have never scored a goal in tournament play uh, in my career. But I did clear one ball off the goal line defensively, may actually have been across the goal line, but the ref didn't see it that way. So I was plus one for the team. I was happy about that. And we played our three games. We won one, we lost one, we tied one, and again, nobody got hurt. It was a good weekend. So back to Civil War talk. We're looking forward, I'm looking forward to the end of this cold season and the beginning of the spring Civil War touring season, not that that season ever ends, uh, from May 24th to 31st, the Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours Company will be running this hallowed ground, a tour of Civil War sites that I will be uh, accompanying, and I mention that each week just because it's a lot of fun. I got a nice note from someone who went on last year's tour and we've been corresponding about some of the things uh, that we've seen and some of the books to read. And uh, it's just fun to meet people and see places and hope some of you can join us this year on that trip. Contact Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours in New Orleans. While, uh, while you're on the internet looking that up, you can also go to www.impedimentsofwar.org where this program is documented. Mark Gaffney keeps that website up to date, uh, telling us what's going on in the world of Civil War Talk Radio. You can also buy there copies of the books you hear about on the show. Go to the Amazon button, click through that, and it gives money to the show without you paying an extra penny. So everybody benefits. Uh, you can also donate money directly to the show, uh, or specifically directly to me from that website. Uh, if you do that using the miracle of PayPal, keep in mind it's not tax deductible in this tax season. It's just a gift for uh, for Civil War Talk Radio to buy more books or to buy more ointment uh, after a soccer tournament, whatever it is we want to do. Uh, it's up. It's up up to me. Uh, not tax deductible, therefore. Well, forthcoming on the show, uh, you'll be able to find out from impedimentsofwar.org, but in the near term, we've got uh, next week, David A. Powell, author of the Chickamauga Campaign. He'll be talking about his new book, uh, A Mad Irregular Battle, from the crossing of the Tennessee River through the second day, August 22 to September 19, 1863. Uh, Dave is putting together the definitive Chickamauga works these days. On February 25th, Aaron Astor, author of Rebels on the Border, Civil War, Emancipation, and the Reconstruction of Kentucky and Missouri, 1860-1872, he'll be with us. He's working on a new book that I think we'll talk more about than, than Rebels on the Border. I don't even know if I'll get a copy of that, but we will talk about his forthcoming work on the war in the Cumberland Plateau of Tennessee, which uh, for those of us who are particularly interested in the Western theater, I know we'll find interesting. We may or may not have a show on March 4th. We won't have one on March 11th. It's spring break. We'll all kick back, put umbrellas in our drinks and relax until March 18th when Michael Stevenson joins us to talk about uh, Civil War in 3D, The Life and Death of a Soldier. And we'll have more shows after that. Uh, I'll get them posted sooner rather than later, I hope. Your suggestions, listeners, are always welcome. And when I say always, I mean sometimes. 
uh, within limits. Uh, I say this because uh, today, uh, well, today I got a call from a publicist uh, representing an author who had a self-published book about Lincoln, good topic, Uh, but the book consisted of a fictional telling in dialect of Lincoln's stepmother, Sarah Bush Johnston Lincoln, and her interview with William Herndon after Abraham Lincoln's death. Now, this interview really happened, but the book is an imaginative retelling. There's no transcription of the interview, uh, so the author has created one uh, in dialect. I think I said that. Uh, Self-published, I think I said that. I looked into it. The, uh, the, The person on the phone was very enthusiastic. I thought I'd at least check it out. And there are plenty of positive reviews on Amazon from people who say things like, I don't like boring old history, but this book was great. I'm not certain, but I will wager actually a lot that the audience for Civil War Talk Radio does not find history a dull, boring old subject uh, unless you are filled with self-hatred and loathing and are listening to punish yourself. Uh, Most of us enjoy it. That's why we're here. The publicist admitted uh, she was not a history person. She was a sports publicity person. So, uh, But still, this would be a great book to do on Mother's Day. Well, I don't think I want to inflict that on my own mother, who uh, is listening. Uh, and, I, well, you all know, those who were listening last week, what happens if I listen to an overachieving uh, book publicist uh, last week, of course, we had two perfectly pleasant and lively young people on the show who had written a novelty book of photos of Civil War soldiers with funny-looking beards. And uh, uh, the authors frankly admitted uh, in the course of our show that they didn't really know much about the Civil War, which could have meant disaster for the program. And indeed, I was thinking, listeners we put this to a vote and you said, go ahead and do the show. So perhaps I can blame you guys. But instead, I have to thank you, the listeners, because you also saved the show. Uh, You sent in really interesting questions in the weeks ahead. And I was able to use those to keep things moving and keep uh, your interesting and and well-developed thoughts uh, in the forefront of the show. And, you know, it worked out pretty well after all. Uh, but I'm not going to rely on you again, listeners, to uh, pull my bacon out of the fire, if that's the metaphor. Uh, the Lincoln Stepmother book, I, I'm not thinking we're going to have on the show. It does have an endorsement, I see, uh, by singer-songwriter Carol King, so that's in its favor, I guess. But I'm going to say that uh, when my gut tells me not to go with a book, I, I will follow it uh, at least for a while. But listeners, I'm not holding you responsible for that one. It was a good uh, a good gambit. We gave our authors a, a chance and uh, a fine time was had by all. Well, tonight we go from Civil War beards, uh, from the ridiculous to the sublime, to the words of Abraham Lincoln. Our guest is the Distinguished Professor of English and American Studies at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York, David S. Reynolds. Uh, Professor Reynolds, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, it is. Uh, uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, a discussion on a slightly higher plane than we managed last week, <laughs> uh, for those who are listening. But it, it was fun. 
Uh, yeah. You have... Well, uh, Sarah Bush, uh, you know, I mean, she's uh, an interesting figure, but I'm sort of a... I'm rather dubious about fictionalizations of Lincoln's life and so forth. I kind of was sold in the movie um, because I thought Daniel Day-Lewis did a great job, but in general, I'm a little bit dubious about sort of fictionalizations. Anyway, but... I, no, I, I share that view. I, Richard Slotkin wrote a book uh, a number of years ago called Abe on the life of young Lincoln, uh, right. which was a fictionalization that I thought was was pretty good, given the paucity of sources for that time. You know, he didn't he, he made what he could out of it and didn't stray too far from the little we do know. But yeah, in general, yeah, I, I, I thought you. that was that was good, and also, <clears throat> of course, Carl Sandburg's uh, Pulitzer Prize. Uh, winning biography has a certain amount of uh, embellishment or fictionalization, but still is a, a very fine book in itself. Uh, to some, I mean, mm-hmm. today it's a little bit outdated, but still it's uh, quite good, you know. So, well, that's a, a good segue. You are a professor of English. You've written about Walt Whitman, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, other uh, literary figures of this uh, of the Lincoln era. What brought you originally to to have an interest in this 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 era? Well, to me, the whole Civil War era is fascinating, um, kind of intrinsically, and I because of two reasons. I think because of the whole paradox of this republic and democracy of America uh, holding people in slavery, and I think that's an interesting paradox. And also, it happens to have produced the uh, greatest writing uh, in American history. People like Hawthorne, Melville, Emily Dickinson, uh, Emerson, Thoreau, Walt Whitman, and Abraham Lincoln uh, being in a sense, the pinnacle, because he not only writes very well at his best, but also he is a very important public figure who has power and who determines events. So it seems to me it's just such an incredibly rich period, and that's why I was drawn to it. Well, let me... uh Cut to the chase and ask the $64 question, uh, which I alluded to in the introduction. Why a new collection of Lincoln's works? Well, the reason that that, that I I did this book, there have been more than 16,000 books mm-hmm. on Lincoln. But mine is, is the only book that combines a broad range of selections of Lincoln's own writings with 19th century views of him, both positive and negative, because there was a lot of resistance to Lincoln in his time, as well as praise. So I, I represent both sides. And then I leap forward to the 20th, 20th and 21st century to uh, well-known historians and critics and commentators from Carl Sandburg all the way up to uh, Jim McPherson and Eric Foner, 
uh, and Alan Guelzo and, uh, you know, many other uh, 20, uh, um, contemporary uh, commentators. So it's really the only book of those 16,000 plus that will offer the entire spectrum of commentary on Abraham Lincoln. So you, you've got, well, so you combine the commentary plus you've got the original uh, Lincoln documents themselves or a, a selection of them. Uh, how did this book come about? I'm always curious about this as a project. Did uh, you contact a publisher? Did they come to you? What, how did the process work? Yeah, well, what happened in this case was that W.W. Um, w. Norton uh, publishes a series called the Norton Critical Editions, and most of these editions are of literary figures. However, uh, a certain amount of the figures are historical, like Malthus and Darwin. They had Jefferson. Uh, they had Franklin. And so a certain number of the figures uh, were, were historical, and I noticed that they didn't have a Lincoln critical edition. And all of the Norton critical editions, what I like about them is that they do combine the original text with uh, critical commentary and uh, with, uh, you know, uh, usually with sort of source or material from their own era. And usually it's that kind of uh, very interesting combination. And this is what really attracted me about uh, the Norton format, because, I mean, we have the Dover uh, edition of Lincoln, his five greatest speeches. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. You know, that's, that's nice. Uh, and then we have the Library of America, which is sort of a broad-spectrum collection of his writings in two volumes, which is, is okay, which is perfectly fine, too. But I saw the need... Uh, for uh, uh, you know a, a new edition where you could have notes. See, and the Norton edition also allows allows uh, footnotes. Mm-hmm. And when you're reading someone like Lincoln, because he was writing in a different century, he refers to a lot of people that we don't know about. So it allows footnotes at the bottom of the page. And um, so, uh, not that I'm heavy on footnotes, but you know, if he ever occasionally makes a reference. I'll footnote it. And uh, the Norton Critical Edition allows you to uh, include uh, that contemporary commentary along with the modern uh, views of him. So I approached Norton and I said, you know, you don't have uh, a Norton Critical Edition of Lincoln. And they said, well, uh, we had talked about this, but it kind of fell through the cracks and... But obviously, this is very, very important, and we would like to have you do it because, well, you know, I'm a known authority on that period and everything. So uh, it was a lot of fun to do. The challenge was that, as you mentioned earlier, the complete published uh, Lincoln works, the collected works of, of Lincoln, covers eight plus volumes. I mean, uh, you know, it's. That, that, let me, let me so step it, it in was here. A, a matter of winnowing down his, his writings I, I, to a manageable number of pages. 
and that, that obviously is a big challenge. Representative, I have excerpts from the Lincoln Douglas debates. <laughs> I obviously have all his great speeches. I have a lot of letters in there. His proclamations. He issued nine proclamations of thanksgiving and prayer, for example. And, and with that, I'm going to have um, to just step in. We're going to take a short uh, break. Cause we, we do need to take a break and come right back. We'll have more of Civil War Talk Radio with David S. Reynolds in just a moment. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking today with David S. Reynolds. He's the editor of Lincoln's Selected Writings, the Norton Critical Edition of the works of Abraham Lincoln. In our first segment, we talked about the uh, what makes this unique among books about Lincoln, the 16,000-plus books about Abraham Lincoln. It is one that combines uh, a generous selection of Lincoln's own writings along with uh, commentary on Lincoln from his own era, as well as commentary from modern authors, and so thus brings into one set of covers something we don't normally, uh, don't otherwise have. Uh, and David, I apologize for having to cut you off at the end there. We have to, had to take a break. We'll have one more break in about uh, 15 minutes no or so. Um, so, you, but you anticipated my, my question uh, very much, which was, uh, given that you have eight volumes of Lincoln's writings produced by Roy Basler, edited by Basler, and uh, published by the ALA, uh, you've got one volume, and a good portion of it is devoted to commentary on Lincoln. 
so what did you start with a principle in mind for for winnowing down to what you would include or were there certain categories you said i'm just not going to include at all from the start uh, how, how did you go about this well what i did was um we have these eight volumes uh the bachelor eight volumes which are online and accessible and they're absolutely wonderful mm-hmm. um but I thought it would be great if you could have in one single volume uh, a broad selection of Lincoln's writings along with uh, the additional material that I, that I mentioned earlier. And uh, the way I did it, I really began with the core, the core meaning the first inaugural, the second inaugural, the Gettysburg Address, the Cooper Union, and and also the Peoria uh, 1854 address. Um, I consider that part of the core. But also, I also consider part of the core the Lincoln-Douglas debates, and so many collections of, of Lincoln's writings leave them out. So it's not that I included every word of all, the, all seven debates, but I excerpted rather amply from them. And then I worked from that, uh, back to um, his important speeches, uh, his early ones uh, in the 1830s, uh, in particular his Lyceum Address uh, in the 1830s and his 1842 Temperance Address. He, For a while he was going to become a temperance speaker, uh, anti-alcohol. And then um, obviously his speech to Congress about the Mexican War and his eulogies to Henry Clay, who is his uh, beau ideal of a statesman, and to Zachary Taylor, for whom he campaigned uh, very, very avidly uh, in the 1848 uh, election. But then when he passed away, uh, Lincoln um, gave this wonderful uh, eulogy of, of Zachary Taylor. And uh, I also wanted to include uh, a certain number of letters um, he wrote a lot of letters to his generals uh, um, and uh, to his wife, Mary. Um, and so I wanted to have a, a good uh, uh, representation of that, too. So I, I sort of thought what would, what would be really interesting in uh, filling out the, the picture of Lincoln without sort of including, you know, uh, without making a volume that was sort of impossible to use. I think that one could probably sit down with my, my volume and read through it and learn more or less, you know, what, what, what one would want to know, I think, about, about Lincoln. And then if one wanted to supplement that, you could always go online and, uh, and check out the Basler uh, uh, digital edition, which is, as I mentioned, is, is wonderful. When uh, in, in any collection, obviously selection is a, a critical process. I recall uh, two decades ago now talking with Harold Holzer when his book uh, "Dear Mr. Lincoln" first came out, and w- discussing it from my point of view as a historian and his uh, from somebody who was uh, you know a very diligent Lincoln student and. Uh, professionally involved in communications, I suggested that 
there didn't seem to be a... I suggested that a historian doing a book on letters to Lincoln would have come up with a, uh, a methodological approach, would have decided what principle would be used to select letters and leave others out so that you would end up with conclusions you could draw. Um, and his approach was not that and was successful for what he meant the book to be. And it was very, a very useful book. Likewise, your book is not meant to be, uh, obviously, a, an analysis of Lincoln. The, the selection is not representative in the sense of X percent are letters, and that's what Lincoln wrote. Uh, that would be kind of a silly thing to do, actually. Uh, but did, did, did you, what was literary quality foremost uh, as you were selecting which letters to omit and which to include? Was it human interest, historical interest? Uh, or was it something you well, didn't articulate? Well, I would say you just it's knew. a combination of human interest and historical. The literary um, really didn't didn't come into play, uh, except to the extent that obviously his greatest speeches, for example, the Gettysburg Address, the Second Inaugural Address, are wonderfully writ- written pieces. I mean, they're, they're, they're just terrific. But and also, I was interested in the fact that he wrote poetry, and um, in the 1840s he wrote a uh, an interesting poem about revisiting his in- Indiana home home, and I wanted to include that, and that and also not that many people realize that his first response to the Union uh, victory at Gettysburg was was not the Gettysburg Address, but a poem uh, in a couple of verses that he wrote. It was a vernacular poem about um, how, uh, Lincoln, uh, how uh, Lee, Robert E. Lee, tried to sack Philadelphia, uh, meaning Philadelphia, but uh, the Yanks turned him back. And uh, this was an interesting little uh, sort of vernacular poem, sort of witty and humorous and uh, caustic. Um, and in a way quite different in tone from the exalted Gettysburg Address, which came a month later in November 1863. He wrote the poem uh, in the summer of 1863, shortly after the, uh, the Gettysburg Battle. So it's interesting that his first response was, was in this kind of uh, poetic um, uh, expression. So I wasn't really that much interested in in purely literary expression as I was in representing the entire uh, on Lincoln, both the historical and the personal and the literary. The uh, the, the verse on Lee's invasion of the North I'm looking at here, you write dated July 19, 1863, uh, is actually supposed to be written, it says in General Lee's voice, uh, General written by himself. Uh, it, it's short right. enough. I, I, let me share it with our listeners because it's brief. Uh, in 1863, with pomp and mighty swell, me and Jeff's Confederacy went forth to sack Fildell. The Yankees, they got out of us, would give us particular hell, and we skedaddled back again and didn't sack Fildell. Uh, yeah, yeah it's a, that's a long way from the poem. second inaugural. Yeah. What, uh, what's really interesting about the poem is not only it's 
distance in in tone from mm-hmm. the wonderfully unmatched um, sort of exalted language of the Gettysburg Address, but um, the fact that uh, back then it wasn't very common to use you know wor- uh, words like skedaddled and uh, hell and and philadel and all of that in poetry now it was fairly common in old southwest humor humor right and uh, lincoln loved this kind of vernacular humor so um i think that's what's really interesting about that poem is that and walt whitman who was his contemporary was very proud that he introduced slang words, like the word so long. Now, so long to us is quite common. You know, it's, uh, we don't even think about the word, okay, so long. But mm-hmm. Whitman said, hey, I used a slang, you know, American slang word in poetry. And this was just a couple of years before uh, Lincoln wrote that poem. So I think it's really interesting that uh, Lincoln would introduce several slang words in in poetry. Now that poem wasn't published, obviously, at the time. Where where did you come across it? Uh, just well, from the eight um, volumes of Bassler? It's or? actually in. Uh, yeah, good question. Where did I come across it? Because it was reprinted in the Library of America edition, and I. I think it's probably in the Basler, which is online. Um, but yeah, it was it was not published in its own own uh, in in Lincoln's lifetime. Um, and it's the kind of thing that was almost a private expression. Um, but then again, in a way, the Gettysburg Address. I, I won't call it a private expression, but. What it was is another side of Lincoln, which which was sort of defining America, defining American democracy in a very cons- and the, I, I talked about the differences between the poem and the address, but the similarities similarities are that um, both are are quite concise and quite direct and. Just as the poem is a kind of concise expression of the kind of vernacular and folksy and humorous uh, side of Lincoln, so the Gettysburg Address is a very, very concise summation of the kind of visionary Abraham Lincoln, the one who wants to reconceive America according to the Declaration of Independence rather than a strict constructionist view of the, of the Constitution. He wants to affirm the equality of all people, and he does he sort of redefine uh, America according to that. So um, even though sort of linguistically um, the poem and the address are, are quite dissimilar in tone um, and in syntax, but in in kind of spirit, it seems to me they're uh, connected in some way. It, 
It is. Uh, I I just grabbed uh, Bassler off the shelf here, and and you're right. It, it's not in Bassler that poem. Uh, it is in in the Library of oh, America. Oh, it's not in the Bassler. No. So so I think it's another. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Another well, one I here. mean, it, it's been reprinted a few times. Right. And um, it's interesting because I forget when the Bassler I think came out in fifty. Was it fifty three or fifty six? Fifty three. That's right. Yes. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. And since since then, there have been uh, discoveries of Lincoln manuscripts, and I probably got this from the Library of America edition, uh, and I also uh, double-checked online and everything, and uh, I found it there as well, but, yeah. It, it, it is, uh, you know, as you say, it creates such an interesting contrast, but also shows Lincoln's use of language in this way. Uh, what... And we're we're coming up to a break, so I'll, I'll ask this now and ask you to, to maybe think about an answer. Okay. Uh, as you're putting this together, what was the hardest uh, piece to leave out of the book? Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, shall I answer that after the break, or let's let's see. We're uh, our engineer is, is listening alert, and he, he can pick up. And let's take our break now. Uh, And then then you can come back and talk about that. Uh, So we are talking today with David S. Reynolds. He's the editor of the new Norton Critical Editions, Lincoln's Selected Writings. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. 
talking today with David S. Reynolds, editor of Lincoln's Selected Writings. It's a new Norton Critical Editions volume that combines a selection of Lincoln's own work with commentary by his contemporaries as well as uh, commentary by our contemporaries, 20th and 21st century historians and uh, critics writing about Abraham Lincoln. So it is everything, uh, a selection of everything about Lincoln between two covers. Uh, we talked in our first segment about why why we need another Lincoln book, and here you have something that's not the eight volumes of Basler that you can't carry around. It's uh, organized for you. Uh, you can get Basler online and search it yourself, but then you have to decide what uh, what to look for in those eight volumes here. Uh, a selection has been made of the most interesting and important uh, significant pieces and it's also got the critical commentary as well it's a, a very useful volume uh, David do you picture this as something that uh, will be used in a lot of courses uh, used yeah, by I mean, professors uh, the response so far, so far has been very good I think um I know it's being used at Harvard. I know it's um, being used uh, in a couple of universities in California. And I would hope it will be picked up also in high schools, maybe in advanced placement or or even uh, junior or senior level uh, high school courses as well. Um, I tried to write uh, a very accessible uh, introduction and I think the notes are very clear, and I think um, I know I know it is being used. Um, there were a, a, nearly a thousand advance orders from professors and teachers around the country, and uh, I haven't really kept up with the sales or anything. But I know that uh, there's been a lot of interest in in the book, and um, um, I've been very happy. I mean, some some people have said uh, it's the kind of book that really should be on every American's book bookshelf, um, just because it preserves uh, the the most important writings by Lincoln, along with the uh, contemporary responses and modern responses as well. So, um, you know, so far I've been extremely uh, pleased by the response. If you had to take only one book on Lincoln to the hypothetical desert island, this would certainly be a strong candidate for for all those reasons. Uh, and it's a very handsome book too. I I like the uh, the well, thank uh, you, beardless yeah. Lincoln cover, uh, very attractive. So uh, we we left the end of the last section with a question: uh, What was the hardest piece of Lincoln's writing to leave out of this book? Well, in terms with in terms of the the Lincoln writings, um, I really, really don't feel that I w- I left out too much or anything really that I wanted to include, because what Lincoln did is often he would give a speech like the Cooper Union address, mm-hmm. which is absolutely wonderful, but then he gave us virtually the same address. Um, nine separate times after that, you see, throughout in, when he gave a tour of the North uh, after that. And that was, wasn't the only case of that. Uh, quite often there was a certain amount of repetition. So if you go through those eight volumes, you'll see that there is quite a lot of repetition. And it was certainly worth repeating 
and I'm not saying that at all, uh, but I'm just saying that I, uh, you know, I tried to kind of cut out the uh, repetitions, and I think I succeeded in doing that. I think the one thing that I was really conflicted about was the Gary Wills uh, Lincoln at Gettysburg, because there's a section on, on modern views um, of, of Lincoln, and... I went with a couple of other pieces pieces on Gettysburg. One is a sort of an analysis of the language of the Gettysburg Address, and another is uh, sort of, it's by Gabor, Gabor uh, Borit, who's a, yes. uh, a Lincoln scholar. And um, it's called uh, the Gettysburg Address, um, The Speech That Nobody Knows. It's a book that came out a while ago. And what I liked about that, is that there was a certain section in the book that recreated the the day of the Gettysburg Address, uh, Edward Everett's oration. Edward Everett gave a two-hour two-hour oration, and then Lincoln gave this two-and-a-half-minute talk. But Borat does just a great do- job of recreating the the day itself, along with a really interesting analysis of the roots of the Gettysburg Address um, and also the immediate impact and reception of uh, the address. And as much as I love, uh, and I was very conflicted because I also love um, Gary Wills' Lincoln and Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just, and I mentioned that in my bibliography and it's also cited by several critics uh, that I also include. But um, I, I suppose that was my most difficult moment uh, to decide between Gary Wills and, and Gabor uh, Borat. Well, uh, you know, Borat's book is, is a fine book. He's a wonderful Lincoln scholar, and, and uh, yes. you could hardly go, go wrong selecting from that uh, the selection from the Gettysburg Gospel, the Lincoln speech that nobody knows. Uh, yeah. We've talked about that book on, on this show. When you mentioned Gary Wills, that made me think uh, in, in his Lincoln at Gettysburg, he quotes at some length uh, from Lincoln's, I think it's Lincoln's speech to the Scott Club in, 19, in 1852, yeah. in which he makes fun of his political opponents. And it's the, uh, for me, it's the single funniest thing in uh, in Basler, the funniest thing Lincoln ever wrote. Uh, yes. Although you you had you sort of had to be there, you have to know who he was talking about, and I, I wouldn't expect to find it in a volume like this because it is it, it's a long run for the the punchline. But uh, you know you you couldn't include everything, obviously. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, the eighteen fifty fifty two speech was was a lot of fun, but as you say, it's kind of a a long run up. Um, to the punchline, and there was also an interesting speech that he gave on the sub-treasury in the 1830s that I mm-hmm. had to excerpt, and there, there, were, there were a certain number of things that I had to leave out. Um, I did, uh, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting about Lincoln, and you probably know this too, is that his humor, he loved it to tell tall stories and, and uh, tell humorous stories and people would gather around him and listen to his stories sort of endlessly. 
And yet, um, not much of that comes into his speeches. And um, I did get some of that uh, uh, rather hilarious stuff in uh, his speech on the Mexican War in which he's uh, denigrating Lewis Cass. Uh, and Lewis Cass had, um, you know, uh, had certain military uh, experience, and um, Lincoln kind of compares in sort of mock heroic fashion, kind of makes fun of Lewis Cass's sort of non-experience, um, which pretends to be such great military experience, and also makes fun of himself. Uh, Lincoln says, oh, I served in the Black Hawk War, and I had uh, wonderful encounters with mosquitoes, mm. you know, and he goes on and on about that. So, you know, I, I, I do include a certain amount of his humor, and also there's a fair amount of humor as well, as you know, in the Lincoln-Douglas debates mm-hmm. uh, that at, at, at some points are quite pointed and anecdotal and, and humorous. But, um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't include the 1852 thing, just... Uh, uh, as it was, I kind of went over the word limit a little bit that uh, my publisher had given me, so I, I just couldn't include everything. Uh, you, you've written about Walt Whitman. You mentioned him earlier uh, as, as talking about his writing in Lincoln's. Uh, what about their relationship? I mean, they famously passed each other by in the streets of Washington. Um, do you see a deeper relationship between the two? Yeah, well, I mean... You know, in in my view, uh, Abraham Lincoln fulfills what Walt Whitman was trying to do in his poetry. In 1855, which was uh, six years before the before the Civil War and five years before the election of Abraham Lincoln, Walt Whitman publishes Leaves of Grass, and he creates this I this uh, I sing myself and celebrate myself and what I assume you shall assume. And this I, uh, first person I in his poetry, is very democratic. Uh, it reaches out and it encompasses everybody and everything. Uh, and that's what's wonderful about Walt Whitman's poetry is this kind of all-encompassing and all-absorbing I, first person. And basically... Um, Whitman, in his poetry, draws an equal sign between him and the people around him and even the environment, the natural environment. He becomes absorbed in it. And uh, it's a wonderfully humanistic and egalitarian view of of humanity and of, of nature. And um, however... After he writes that, I'm talking about Whitman, he also writes in his journal, I envisage uh, the next president as being from the West and bearded, and he could be a flat boatsman, he could be a, a, a riverman, he could be a hunter. He, he, he was looking for like the average American uh, and this was before Lincoln. Lincoln was well known at all. Lincoln at that time wasn't known to anybody, but Whitman is kind of making this guy up in his imagination. And then, uh, 
five years later, Lincoln comes along, and he is all of these things. He was born in a log cabin, raised in Kentucky and frontier Indiana, and even Illinois, New Salem, uh, Illinois, and then uh, Springfield, Illinois, which were basically very rural and almost frontier towns. And he comes out of the, the West. It was then the West. Now it's the Midwest, but then, then it was uh, the West. And um, he is promoted as the rail splitter, which he was at one time. He split rails and, and uh, was a raftsman and all, all of that. And so uh, Whitman literally, in a way, gets converted uh, to Lincoln. He sees him in New York when, when Lincoln first appears there. He sees him almost every day or every other day on the streets of, of Washington. Back then, uh, presidents were not inaccessible. Um, one could actually make an appointment to uh, see the president. And also the president would... Uh, Lincoln uh, was very careless about assassination threats and so forth, and so quite often he would go out in his coach, his uh, carriage, um, with Mary or with uh, one of his sons, and usually accompanied by a guard, but but still not very well protected. But uh, so Walt Whitman would see him on the streets, and and just uh, for him, uh, Lincoln was the culmination of what America should be. And for the rest of his life, uh, Whitman um, was a real acolyte of Abraham Lincoln, and he wrote. Uh, the most memorable poems about Lincoln, Oh, Captain, My Captain, and this was after the assassination, and also When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard bloom, Bloomed. And uh, these are the two finest poems written about Abraham Lincoln. And for the rest of his life, uh, Whitman lives until 1892, and for the rest of his life, uh, Whitman looks retrospectively back on Abraham Lincoln as being really the acme of uh, the American experience. And he gives, he is asked uh, time and time again to give a lecture on Abraham Lincoln and the death of Abraham Lincoln, the life of Abraham Lincoln. And even though he's writing his own poetry, he's still thinking about Abe Lincoln. But in a way, it became too repetitive. And uh, toward the end, he, uh, when he was quite old, uh, Whitman said, you know what, I'm sick of O Captain, My Captain. I hate O Captain, My Captain. <laughs> because he had, everywhere he went, Walt Whitman was said, it was asked, please recite O Captain, My Captain, and he would do it. But it's a little bit like an old Beatles song or an old rolling, I'm dating myself here, or whatever. One of your old songs on your iPod or something like that where you've, you've heard too much um, and in a way, you can't almost listen to it anymore. So there came a point with Walt Whitman where he almost couldn't listen to his, his own poetry about Abe Lincoln. <laughs> well, that is uh, a remarkable thing, considering the quality of Whitman's poetry and likewise the quality of Lincoln's own writing. Uh, unfortunately, just as you could not put everything you want. Eventually, there's a limit to the size of, of any book. There's a limit to the time of this show, and we have reached it. Uh, so I will 
let listeners know once again, Lincoln's Selected Writings, Norton Critical Edition, edited by David S. Reynolds, is a uh, handsome and convenient single volume with uh, most significant Lincoln writings, commentary on Lincoln by his contemporaries and by 20th, 21st century writers, a really worthwhile addition to the uh, 16,000-volume shelf of Lincoln books. Uh, so it is uh, something, listeners, you'll want to take a look at. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. Thanks very much, Jerry. appreciate it. Thank you. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.